Heard on Spotify Greenroom. Hello, hello. Can everybody hear me? Ah, Steve made it on time. Just just kidding, Steve. I know the, the app was a little silly last time. Hello. Hello. Yay. Hey, Lainey. We gotta get we gotta get to your uh we gotta get to your room one of these days. Yeah, definitely. We're excited about <laughs> it for sure. I feel All like right, Steve is sassing me back, but He's always sassing you. He ABS always be sassing. Always be sassing. Yep. <laughs> Lainey, we're glad you picked up on the being offensive because that's what we were going for. <laughs> Just kidding. Yes. We do. Um, okay, so I am going to share this really quick. So, Tori, you want to kick off our very first story? I sure do. So today we're going to cover, it's a Cold Case Files episode, which we were mega, ultra, super excited about. Not that it's any less exciting, but we were very disappointed to know that the narrator is not Bill Curtis for this episode. Okay, how many of you guys, A, know who Bill Curtis is, and I hope that you all do. Um, I might be offended if you don't. But B, love Bill Curtis. Cause, and yeah. I also feel like that's the only right answer. Who is your favorite true crime narrator and why is it Bill Curtis? There we go. That's the question I meant to ask. Yes, exactly. So this one is season four, episode six. It's called A Man Scorned Slash the Dungeon. So it's a two-pace episode. And the first one brings us to Fredericksburg, Virginia. This takes place in or on November 4th, 1994. So in the fall of 1994, a woman named Elizabeth Harrington moved to Fredericksburg to start over. Her mother, Neva Harrington, talks about being proud of Elizabeth, moving to a new place, wanting to start over, the courage it took. And we get a little background on as the day is long. Oh, my gosh. She's so precious. Oh, precious. Excuse me. Um, She's all of the above. She reminds me so much of, from the movie Meet the Parents, Blythe Danner's character, where she's like, you got some buns, some hot patooties. Like, she's just <laughs> precious. She is. She's so cute. She is. And she talks about how Elizabeth battled with alcoholism. She battled with depression. So when Elizabeth gets to Fredericksburg, she finds a home at a halfway house, and that, that halfway house specializes in mental health problems. Every day, her social worker, Don Brissetti, visits her. Don talks about Elizabeth very, very kindly. She says that Don was, or that Elizabeth was very independent. She was thriving there. And one morning in November, so this is November 4th, she goes to visit Elizabeth a little after 8 a.m. When she goes up to the door, she finds that it's ajar and unlocked. So she walks in and she talks about how Elizabeth always kept a really tidy house. Everything was in its place. It was, she was very clean. The yeah. Is- she also, I'm sorry. I was just surprised to know that, I guess that maybe I don't know how this works, but they each had their, she had a full apartment to herself, which I thought was yeah. amazing. Well, um, and I wonder if that is because of the fact, because Dawn was like, Elizabeth could have lived by herself. Like she was doing amazingly. So I wonder if it was like kind of her 
way of maybe transitioning out of the halfway house. Okay, I see, I see. Um, that's a good point. Also, you guys drop in the chat. Are you guys, are you super clean people? If somebody walked into your apartment right now or house, would they be like, you know what? They always are clean and tidy. <laughs> Just interested to know. Mine's going to be a no. Mine's going to be a hell no. And that is, <laughs> I've got dogs and I thought, yay, my new place has no carpet. And then I was like, man, they are shedding a lot. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. The carpet just absorbed all of the hair from the, la- the last place that I was in. It was misleading. Yeah, carpets are misleading, definitely. I dated a guy once who said, somebody was like, what color are your carpets in your house? And he said, white with stains on them. And I was like, <laughs> well, thank you Relatable. for your Relatable. <laughs> yes, exactly. Also, I'm seeing so many names that like we know. Sydney Merton, of course. Steve, I mean, if I have to say your name one more time at this point, honestly. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Um, Madison yes. Jarrett, like. Brits yeah. here. Yes, Britt's here, and hey, Nevea. I think that's how you say that name. That is very pretty. Yes, it is very pretty. Yeah, I'm. I just have given up on the, the the clean and tidy at this point. Right. Yeah, Lainey, <laughs> your is it GIF or JIF? I just never know how to say it because JIF to me is peanut butter, but maybe I'm yeah. just like one of those old old millennials or basically a boomer. I don't know. Or I'm like <laughs> it's GIF. But <laughs> I do enjoy that one. Love Katya. But it is Jif. Is it? it? That's what I heard that. And I was like, I don't know. Also, Steve Destiny Child did us. <laughs> I love it. Oh, you're the singer. Okay. <laughs> keep going. Don't, all right. All right. All right. What did Gail Don't encourage Gail me to sing. Yes. Okay. So, so she walks in the door and she sees that the house is basically, the narrator says, in a shambles. Like, messy as the day is long basically my house on any given day and she's like this is not like elizabeth obviously right so she can't find elizabeth anywhere she walks upstairs she finds elizabeth unfortunately face down in bed she's her head is covered in blood and she has a ligature wrapped around her neck yeah the ligature ends up being a oh i'm sorry no go ahead it's a scarf, was, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say the scarf. You're like, yeah, I know. I was about to say that. <laughs> um, but also, on this show, I don't know. I need to pay more attention now about, like, newer shows versus older shows. Because this show aired in, what, 2004? Mm-hmm. And the there's a lot of crime scene photos. And you they show her face. They, they really do, yeah. It's not incredibly... Um, a lot of the shows that we see now, there, a lot of things are blurred out, which... I don't have a problem with, but it is pretty interesting how many crime scene photos they show and the extent that they show them. Yeah, because I feel like now, I feel like that's less frequent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Detective John Lippincott, he says that it was a scarf, and he says that what he thinks happened is there was a struggle downstairs, obviously, because of the mess. Then a sexual assault and a murder happened upstairs. And the reason why he thinks it's a sexual assault is because she's laying face down, but her pants are pulled down. Mm-hmm. So the body was autopsied, but there is no semen found at all. And I feel like we're like Seth Rogen and Bill yeah. Hader. Yeah. From, uh, what is Super that? Bad? Super bad. Yeah. I was going to say the McLovin movie. 
we thought that there would be <laughs> semen <laughs> everywhere, but there was not. Yeah, exactly. There was yeah, there was no semen, and they're like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do send the evidence to the crime lab anyway because they do want to see if they can find DNA, which at this point in time is pretty forward thinking, right? Ninety four. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And thank God they did. So the night that Elizabeth was killed, she was at a bar called Merriman's with a local man named Matt. And what was what the story was that she was counseling Matt. They were at this bar. She was giving him answers to some questions that he was not sure about. Mm-hmm. Basically, Matt left the bar or after they left the bar, they sat in Matt's car until a little after 10 p.m. And then he said goodbye to Elizabeth. And that's the last that he saw of her. No evidence ties Matt to the crime. So he's basically immediately ruled out as a suspect. Yeah. The, nothing, nothing there, which is good for Matt. Good for Matt, but bad for police, right? Bad, like, bad for police. Yeah. Yeah. Sure is. Damn it. Yeah. So the clothing and bedding comes back. There's no bodily fluids on any of that. And then they start looking at everyone that lived at the halfway house that she was staying at, which was River Place. Yeah. And they also think, so they're, okay, so, like, no bodily fluids come back. So they're like, well, damn. Maybe, just maybe, no sexual assault took place. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was staged. It was staged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now we're sizzling with fajita meat, I guess. Also, um, Lainey's comment, what Lainey wise there not there might be a shirt that says this now that I say this out loud DNA is bay yeah I love that I love perfect. that we need a shirt <laughs> um but yeah so they start looking around at the people who live in the halfway house and the the detective is like you know there's a lot of people he was talking about how like you know with all the kind of different issues and things with the people going on there he's like you know could somebody have gotten upset about something that maybe you or I wouldn't have gotten so upset about? And, you know, but it, it was a really big deal to them. You know, there's just, you know, there's a lot of things that could be. I feel like the name of this episode should be called Overreaction. And I'm trying not to give it away, but just <laughs> just think about exactly. that. Yeah. Yes. So then Waltz is in a man named Archie Talley. He was a homeless man in the area. He walks into a man named um, Waverly Musselman. And (laughs) the name (laughs) Waverly Musselman. Do you know the first thought that I had, though? The movie Funny Farm, the Musselmans, that's who they bought their farm from. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the wife, I can't remember her name, uh, the sheriff who couldn't who had to take a taxi everywhere because he couldn't pass his driving test. He was telling the wife that, you know, Chevy Chase's wife, he was like, be careful where you dig over here because uh, whatever the wife's name was, got really mad at Claude Musselman, the husband and buried him somewhere in the backyard. And then she ends up digging him up. Basically it's ridiculous. But Well, I thought that the guy was, (laughs) I thought the narrator was calling him a muscle man, but just being like, (laughs) yeah, and and this muscle man, and I was like, are we really, do we shorten that? Like, like, Snyderman? Like, muscle man? (laughs) And then when he said it again, I was like, oh, detective muscle man. Like, got it. 
Why would you think that? I don't know. I know. That was literally the stupidest thing I could have ever thought. (laughs) The narrator's like, you don't understand. This guy is built. Yeah. Like, you need to get a look at him. He's not. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Detective Musselman. Yes. Is that Mac? No, it looks like him, though. It looks like Mac. No, it's not. It's not Mac. No, I don't know. I I like him just the same. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't see the tattoos, though. That's true. That's true. Okay. Yes. So. (laughs) Steve said it's actually me. I love it. I knew it. I was like, he looks familiar. (laughs) Detective Steve Musselman. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You guys. You guys. Okay, okay. So what does Archie friggin' tell this muscle man? Yes. So he's like, excuse me, Mr. Biceps McGee. The, a couple, while he was under, like, he lived under a bridge. It just, it, that's what they said in the show. So mm-hmm. he lived under a bridge. A couple or, like, a pair of people was a man and a wife, or a man and a wife, a man and a woman. Yeah are going past him and they come up on him and they're like, we're going to kill you or beat the hell out of you because you're gay. Mm-hmm. And now, they're like, not saying that's not a real thing. Just you guys got to get to know Archie, but keep going. Yeah. And he's like, they said that they were going to do to me like they did to the woman on Sophia street. And I didn't realize it was pronounced Sophia because every time I've seen that, that's Sophia. But it's spelled Sophia, and I was one hundred percent Sophia. Yeah, I was like, okay, muscle man going to <laughs> Sophia Street. Like, what's <laughs> happening here? <laughs> yes. So the thing about that is, is Elizabeth lived on Sophia Street, so mm-hmm. of course, police are like, huh? What? Yeah. Yeah, and he said... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 you go. Well, he said that they, you know, claimed to have killed the woman on Sophia Street because they thought that she was gay. And, you know, doesn't matter whether or not she was, she wasn't. But this is what they say. But he does mention that the two told him about something that they used to tie around her neck. And they said something Mm -hmm. like, the girl was almost dead and they tied something around her neck. And... My ears perked up, and I'm like, how much of this was publicized? Well, but also, okay, so if that was true and that part was not publicized, you gotta Mm -hmm. look at it one of two ways. So either this, these two people actually happened and that actually was said, or Uh the person who is relaying this message knows that information. Mm -hmm. So do these two people exist? Exactly. And if they don't exist, then boom, bing, bang, boom, we have a suspect. Right. But they look, they look into it and they don't mm-hmm. exist. No, well, find, they, well, they, they can't, can't corroborate it. Yeah, right. they can't corroborate it. So then they're like, okay, we'll buy Archie. Yeah. Didn't check out. Bye. See you later. See you later. Thanks for coming. Yeah. And then, of course, in grand cold case files fashion the case goes cold well sure yeah right there in the name that was kind of a spoiler alert but not really a spoiler alert yeah (gasps) Olivia! (laughs) maybe they're fairly odd parents and they can't see them because they're fairies i don't think muscle man even asked that question i don't think he did that's not good detective work 
What was it? Wanda and well, oh, oh God, what was his name? Wanda and sort of was it a C? What was his name? Wanda and something. I don't know. Timmy was the little boy. Yeah, Cosmo. Cosmo yes. <laughs> nice. You guys know this is fun. Okay, I know. Love it. All right. So then the case goes cold, but then Archie Tally pops back up. Dot dot dot. But as a suspect. <laughs> Who saw, saw that coming? coming. Oh, oh. Terrell, I get out of my head. Jinx. <laughs> okay, so two years later, Detective Doug Perkins picks up the case. Now, Doug Perkins does a fine job, right? Um, he he ends up doing some good work here, but he was like, you know what? I just said, you know what, Coach put me in. Like, I think I'm ready for the big leagues. Oh my God, so much and- baseball. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody else was like, dude, you've only been on, like, I don't know, um, school marm duty. Yeah, you haven't even had your first desk pop. He literally <laughs> was like, he's like, you know, I never worked a homicide case before. Um, definitely not a cold case. But I was like, you know what? I got a good feeling about this. I can do it. Yeah. And they were like, and- all right, Doug, fine. Go ahead. Sure. Sure. Why not? So Doug goes back through all of the evidence that was collected and something caught his eye. Yeah. Now this is problematic. Well, what he says is problematic and we're not going to repeat it. You can watch the episode if you'd like to see what he says, but I love muscle men, muscle man. Yes. But how did he miss this? There was a hair underneath Elizabeth's body on the bed. You know what it was? I don't know if it was... Okay, I want to do a Phoebe. Little black, little black, little black, little black, little black curly hair. That's what it was. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. Yeah, so it was It was a black hair, and he says that upon examination, he knows that this is a hair that came from a black person. Not how he said it. Again, we're we not will not be that. saying that. Do not agree with his verbiage there. But he wants to send that to the state's DNA lab. But I'm just like, and he and he says the reason this is surprising to him is because going through the case file, all of the suspects are white, and Elizabeth is white. So, you know, this is something that's like, hey, we should, you know, first of all, it's a hair. You should pay attention to it. He was just surprised to find it. But I'm like, how did Musselman miss this? I don't know. Maybe he was doing a bunch of squats. He wasn't. I don't know. Yeah, when you're doing squat, you can't you can't see everything when you're doing a squat. That's, that's up true. and down, up and down. You lose sight of the desk. I don't know. You sure do. That's true. You're right. I didn't think. I didn't think. Yes, absolutely. So then we jump to Richmond, Virginia. This is 1999, which I feel like if anybody. Remember when CSI came out and everybody was like, oh, dear God, this happens in the span of 20 minutes. They just, they need to watch this episode specifically or any episode yes. like this. I, okay, so, so we talked about this um, right before we started, started the room, like started recording or whatever, but we literally made all the same notes and we made the same note too. Like it's, it's actually eerie to look at our notes because they're the same, <laughs> but yeah. that's exactly what I said about this. So go ahead. <laughs> Well, wait, now I'm nervous. Did I, did I, am I going to mess it up? Nope, you're not going to mess it up. Okay. So by the spring of 1999, technology has advanced enough to extract DNA from the root of a single human hair. 
a little black curly hair. Mm-hmm. And Bob Scanlon is the DNA analyst. It comes back as a male, and he enters that into CODIS, which I'm pretty sure if we're all we're all familiar with CODIS, right? Oh yeah, he he, he, he explained it, but he we were like, did, oh. and I'm like, you silly bitch! I already know what that is. Yeah, don't try and come at me, Bob. I feel Scanlon. like I say that every time somebody does that. I'm like, you silly bitch. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so he gets a hit and get can someone just guess who it's matched to? Oh, good question. Yeah, who is it matched to? Yeah. Who do we think the hair was matched to? We'll give you a moment to talk amongst yourselves, but they say that he plugs it into CODIS and inside a minute he gets a definitive hit. And I was like, mm. I said in my notes, what is this? CSI? Like right. that how many times in like cases do we hear people be like, everybody thinks you can just plug something in the computer and it's like CSI and come back <laughs> immediately, right? With the thing. And they're like, no, it did. Within one minute, it actually yeah. came back. They're like, oh, shit, it actually worked. Wow. <laughs> Steve, I feel like you're sassing us again. He said it had to be that one guy. Well, maybe he forgot his name. There's two options. He forgot his name or he's sassing. He's sassing. No, I think he's sassing. Yeah. But it, but it, it, you're right. He's a staff now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you're right, though. It is that one guy. It's Archie Talent. Oh, Tally. Tally. Oh, my God. Did I say talent? Ew, sorry. No talent. Archie, no, no talent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know where I got that. Yeah. So, all right. So, where? what's his hair doing in Elizabeth's bed if he's gay? Because the detective is like, well, they, oh, right? they described him. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, because the detective was like, I think that basically Archie is, um, he's a very, I would say he's an outgoing person. He has a lot of personality. Um, he has a very big personality. And he's also very, very, like, outspokenly gay. I mean, anybody that knows him knows that he's gay. And so, we will, directly after this, lower <laughs> a direct quote. Yeah, we definitely will. Um, you guys, there's so much. There's so many good merch ideas. Lainey has got a new shirt she gets to make. We get to make it had to be that one guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is fun, yeah, a <laughs> shirt. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, we're going to get to what he says. So it matches him, and they're like, well, why in the world is um, – oh, thanks, Jen. Why in the world is his hair in her bed? So – they go to the jail, the local jail, Rappin, Rappahannock Regional Jail, to talk to him. And now, by this time, it's 2000, six years after the murder. So, Tally was awaiting trial on a totally unrelated crime. So, they tell Archie about the hair, and they're like, listen, dude, we got your hair on her damn bed. And he's like, oh, no, you didn't. No, you did not. Like, he's yeah. just like... Nope, didn't have anything to do with it. He's basically like, you're trying to pin something on me that I didn't do, and you're lying to me. And they're like, well, absolutely no. I'm not lying to you. Your hair was there. And then, you know, they're like, (laughs) your hair was everywhere. Dashboard has nothing to do with this. I shouldn't have brought him into it, huh? Yeah, I would thank you to leave Dashboard out of this. (laughs) Um, But... (laughs) He's like, what were you doing in Elizabeth's bed, dude? Like, I know you don't want anything to do with her. Like, what were you doing with her? And what does Archie say to him about his underwear? (laughs) So Archie's like, I don't have anything to do with women. 
I only date men. And he was like, I change men like I change my own underwear 24 fucking seven. <laughs> I was like, oh, but they actually put that. You guys know, like in the beginning of these episodes, they play like little clips from throughout the episode or at least throughout like that particular case. Yeah. He So like we get I change men like I change my underwear 24 fucking seven. Of course, they bleep it out. And then the other one was a man. What did he say? A man it nothing but somebody to. What did he say? Have sex oh. and get fucked up the face. Yes, yes. And I was like, oh, okay. There, there we have it. Like right. And I was worried for Bill Curtis, whoever this narrator is. You know, I guess can handle it. But I was worried for Bill in that moment. Well, Torella, I mean, don't you remember we covered a case and Bill had to say something about. Yes. Um, he said masturbated each other. Masturbated each other. That's exactly what it was. I was horrified for him. As you should be. Yes. Girls don't have to say stuff like that. I so, am liking these drinking game ideas too, guys. Let's, <laughs> let's flesh it out. Yeah. All right. So then, then what happens? Yeah. So then police are like, hey, Archie, can we pretty please with sugar on top? have a DNA sample from you. We need to just get a little bit of blood. We want to extract your DNA from your blood. And Archie. Mm -hmm. I think, I think his response is hell no. 100%. And they're like, we really need to get it. And then he instantly becomes a bucking Bronco or a two year old (laughs) that is being forced to put on their shoes Mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. kicking and kicking and not like you're, you're gonna have to have four or five men to hold me down because I absolutely will not do it. I mean, it is insanity. But eventually he does calm down. He submits his DNA. But then he tells the police that he's friends with Matt. Remember the guy who Elizabeth was counseling that night in the car? Mm-hmm. So what he says is, hang on a second. I'm friends with Matt. And I, like, rode in his car and stuff like that. So, Elizabeth was in his car. So, what about that my hair got on her because of transference from this from the car? Because we've both been in the car. Right. And Archie says that Matt and Archie were lovers at the time. So, then, they, of course, they asked Matt about it, and he corroborates that. Yeah, he does confirm that. So... Um, so that, I mean, that could seem plausible, right? Like, could the hair have transferred from something like that? I mean, we've heard of things like that in other cases, but then Archie's current boyfriend comes forward and tells police that Archie's been threatening to kill him in his sleep. He says that he just sits there and watches this man sleep and he thinks about pouring gasoline on him and lighting his ass on fire. I... I'm so glad that they're not together anymore. Yeah, I'm frightened for him. Frightened for him. Um, so Perkins and the boyfriend cook up a plan. And they're like, you know what we're going to do? We are going to... Um, we're, you're going to wear a wire. The boyfriend's going to wear a wire. And... He wanted him to, like, talk to him about it or whatever. But first, they had a journalist plant a story in the paper. So the paper comes out, and it says, like, cop tells killer, give it up. Like, we're on to you, basically. And Mm -hmm. then he brings it home and is like, hey, isn't this that, like, murder that happened, like, near you back then or whatever? 
And so he's trying to press him on it and they're wearing a wire and, you know, all this stuff. So, um, he doesn't say like, yeah, I did something to her, but he does make one slip up. He says that when he went to Merriman's that night, so Elizabeth had been at Merriman's, the club Merriman's or whatever. He said that he had gone to Merriman's that night. And when he went there, he saw, he said, I saw my ex with her ass. So he says he saw them together. And now Detective Perkins is like, well, isn't that motive? Like, if he thought maybe that Elizabeth and his lover at the time were, and I hate that term, like, it feels so 80s. but Your lover. Um, yeah, like something like her parents would say. Um, but, you know, is that motive for murder? And unfortunately, it, can, it definitely can be. Well, and... I I have some feelings about this. I mean, yes, I definitely think, I mean, we've, the cases that we've covered, if you read the news, you know that anything can be caused for murder. I saw something where the woman's husband ate her last chicken nugget, so she stabbed him. Like, you know, anything can be caused for murder. But mm-hmm. he did say it in not a nice way. He was like, I saw him there with her ass. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, he definitely- very much like he wasn't happy about it. Yeah, he definitely wasn't like, oh, he was just hanging out with a friend, like, you know, right, whatever. Um, So then we flash forward to, because, okay, so Detective Perkins is like, okay, well, that's, I feel like that gives us some motive, but that's still not enough. So then we flash forward to November 26, 2002, Bob Scanlon, still in the case. Um, He's asked to test the clothing and bedding for a possible foreign DNA source, and my note is, why did we not try to do this before? Well, exactly. They're like, oh, I forgot about that. We uh, it's all just more com- evidence. Yeah, it's all just completely soaked in blood. Like, Bob Scanlon says it's so soaked in blood that he was worried. He was like, where do I pick a sample from? Because the whole thing is so soaked in blood. Now, I wonder, because, and this could be just like a, Duh, Tori, you're being ridiculous. But I would think because of the time and yeah. I know that DNA had, you know, it's progressed since 94, obviously. They're well, looking sure. for two different DNAs on this scarf, right? Profiles, yeah. DNA profiles. How difficult would it have been to extract? Because they know where most of the blood came from. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I just wondered it, like, when we tested the hair, why didn't we test all the other stuff? But you're right. Maybe maybe the ability to separate it out wasn't there then. I just... Well, it sounds like you're giving Bob Scanlon a hard time, and I won't sit here and listen to it. Well, you're right. I'm so sorry, Bob. I'm so sorry. He's listening, isn't he? Yes. Apologize to little Bobby Scanlon. So sorry, little Bobby. Um, but he did get some hits that were consistent with Archie Talley. Um, and one of them consistent with one of them that he got was Archie by himself. So Mm -hmm. most of them were mixtures. Some of them were just Elizabeth's, but he did get, I think three separate hits that were just Archie. Yeah. And that's that's damning, right? That's not good. It does not look good. Mm -mm. So they bring Archie back in for questioning, and guess how happy Archie is to be there. <laughs> you guys have got to see Archie. He's colorful. <laughs> very, very colorful, yes. So they're like, hey guys, um, guess what we found? 
we found your DNA present on the scarf and or the clothing. I think it, it was on the scarf, though. No, it was definitely on the scarf. We found mm-hmm. your DNA profile on the scarf, and he's like, oh, hell no, once again. And he's like, y'all are just trying to make me a scapegoat. I'm not dealing with this. Y'all are trying to pin it on me. I didn't do anything. I will not sit here. This injustice will not stand. Yeah, and his his justification or his, like, reasoning behind it is like, well, don't you think if they'd had all that you know, on me, my DNA at the scene, the, you know, my hair, the blood, all that stuff. Don't you think they would have arrested me a long time before they did? And I'm like, Archie, really? I'm hearing <laughs> you. Um, but 1994. Exactly. And if things hadn't progressed the way they had, they still wouldn't have had his ass. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, well, you know what? Like, nobody's going to believe you and all this stuff. And so Perkins is like, well, I'll tell you who's going to believe me is a jury because this is legit. It's an actual result. And, um, Archie's like, Archie's like, I mean, fuck. Right. Yeah. So he ends up not even going to court. He takes an Alfred plea and I'm sure that all of you guys know what an Alfred plea is, but with an Alfred plea, you don't have to admit guilt. You just have to admit that, the state has enough evidence to get a conviction, whether or yeah. not you plead, you know, say that you did or not. So he submits an Alfred plea, but, and he ends up getting 80 years in prison. But Archie is like, I did not understand the Alfred plea. Um, my attorney told me to sign that. I never would have signed that. He fully maintains his innocence. He says that he didn't do it. Um, but the question is when asked about how the blood, his blood got on her scarf, what did he say? He told the cold case file files crew Mm -hmm. that a bunch of skinheads beat him and Elizabeth was the only one to come to his rescue and he bled all over her scarf and that's how it got there. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, He's like, mm-hmm. why don't you guys just ask me for? I could have told you that. Yeah, you only asked me about how my hair got in her bed. You didn't ask me about how my blood got all over all of her shit. Mm-hmm. So now that you bring that question to me, of course I will tell you that, you know, there was this huge brawl in this club. Everybody was there the night of a murder. So police were asking people that were there that night. You know, who she was with, what she was doing, blah, blah, blah. Nobody, nobody, not nobody ever mentioned this ever happening. Never, 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 never. Until 2004, when Archie, no talent, said, yeah, well, this happened. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, we're going to have to go with Lanny Sure Jam. Sure mm-hmm. Jam. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. So, I don't know. I feel like we know the answer, but do you guys think that that Elizabeth did come to Archie's aid, or do you think that he killed her? Yeah. Do we believe Archie? Yeah, do we believe Archie? Well, that's, you know, that's that case. There is, yeah, there really is. Torello, why don't you... (laughs) I need to... Oh, Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that that gif is that how the cool kids say it yeah is exactly that's what we're feeling mm-hmm. you're right steve archie is that one guy all right we are I, 
I feel like we could all talk in just. I actually had a completely gif text conversation with Charlotte, a friend you just for over two it up. hours. Damn it! Yeah, you're right. It's so hard. It's so hard. So the next episode, because you know in cold case files, there's typically two. So this one is a two parter, and the second part is called the dungeon, and this takes place in Syracuse, New York, May eleventh, two thousand two, and it's kind of disturbing how quickly they run through this story, and then unfortunately we're gonna have to do that as well. Yeah, and not exactly. Lo- I didn't think that one was less or more interesting than the other. They're both really valid cases but this one was just so condensed it was yeah yeah there was just a lot in this case so this is a friday night uh a woman named jen is walking down getty street to meet a friend after having some drinks and she said it was raining it was late at night so there were she said a bunch of like young kids walking behind her and i don't know if like they were getting rowdy or something but they were they were making her nervous and she was walking by herself oh my god jen a woman named jen oh i'm so scared for you right now um but she's like i was just feeling kind of nervous about it so she says this old white guy pulls up to her like pulls up next to her in his car and he's like do you want a ride and she's like it's raining these kids behind me were freaking me out. And she's like, this is just this little old white dude. I can totally take him if anything happens. Like, sure, man, I'll get in your car, whatever. So he starts driving her out of the city towards her house. And she's like, looked like the way that I normally go. So, okay. And then he pulls into a driveway and she's like, hold up. I don't know this driveway. Stephanie's on. Stephanie's on it. She's like, "Mm -mm, we don't do that. Mm -mm. (laughs) Definitely not going to go well. Um, She's like, I don't know this driveway. What the hell is going on? She says the next thing she realizes, like she wakes up and she's in an underground bunker. She's totally naked. Her ankle is chained to a grate. Mm -mm. I know. So then she says the old man crawls into the bunker and explains to him or to her that no, no big deal. All you have to do to stay alive is have sex with me every single day that you're here. And every day that you don't have sex with me, it adds on another day to your stay here. As if it's like a hotel, but like, what are you saying, sir? Right. I'm going to say as old as he was at the time, I hope he stocked up on Ben Gay or something because all that crawling around down there. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, he's definitely got to have a an ibuprofen on hand. That's for sure. Yeah, oh yeah, something. So then, um, so obviously she's down there for who knows how long, and police start investigating her disappearance. So Detective Jack Schmidt is on the case. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, some people disappear themselves, so we got to always take that into account. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. Um, But Jen's parents actually get a letter from her, and it's postmarked from Rochester, New York, which is, you know, close enough. Her attacker told her to write letters to her family explaining that she was in a drug rehab center and she just didn't know when she was going to be coming home. And her family did say this is in her handwriting. It's written in her vocabulary. Like, it sounds like her. And so the police said, okay, fine, we're closing the case. We know where she is. Everything's fine. I wish the police had picked up the phone and called the supposed drug rehab center and found that she wasn't there. Like, 
I don't know. You know, I mean, I know they have a lot going on, but it's like just because you get a letter from somebody saying I'm fine, don't you need to check up on that? Like, right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Lainey, no one called the center. Like, come on. Stephanie's the same thing. Like, I'm like, can we not just pick up the fucking phone? So I mean, maybe she case, didn't include what the center was. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. You know what I mean? Like, maybe she was just like, hey, I'm in it. I'm in rehab. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she did, but given the bottle company next, I kind of feel like maybe she even would have said the name of it or something, but maybe, yeah. Um, so they close the case and they're like, she's totally fine. She is in this bunker for 56 days. And then one night, this guy just, oh my God, yes, so Joseph Ritzel. Then one night, this guy comes down into the bunker and he gives her the clothes back that she had been wearing the night that she disappeared. And he says, hey, um, here you go, you're going home. And she's like, oh, no. She said she didn't trust it. She was like, I thought he was just taking me out of that room to kill me, you know, Mm -hmm. probably so that he didn't leave evidence or whatever behind. And um, he actually drove her to her mom's house. Mm -hmm. And she knocked on the front door of her parents' house. Yeah, so he handcuffed her, he blindfolded her. And he put a hoodie on her backwards so she could not see anything, like, where she was, where she was going, anything like that. Yeah. The crazy thing, though, was, so he drove her to her mom's house, right? They bring her two hours later, or she arrives two hours later at a hospital to have a rape kit exam uh, done on her. Yeah. But the unfortunate thing was, uh, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Unfortunately, from an evidence standpoint, it had been days since he had assaulted her, so there was no evidence at all to collect. Mm -hmm. Which is, again, like you said, like, I mean, you guys know what we mean. It's frustrating, not in the sense that he didn't assault her, but in the sense that he thought ahead of that. Mm -hmm. You know, because he he did that on purpose. He knew what he was doing. He knew she was going to go get get an examination done, and it's just fucked up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, the forethought that he had. Yeah, but she, you know, they go have this examination done. Unfortunately, like you said, from an evidence standpoint, we don't have any, you know, we don't have anything. But she did talk to the police about it, and she told them her story. And Detective Schmidt was like, I kind of believed her, but I kind of didn't. Like, Mm -hmm. it didn't sound. And, I mean, I guess to be honest, this doesn't happen most of the time, right? If somebody disappears the likelihood that somebody is holding them captive for a very long time and especially holding them captive and then letting them go of their own volition is rare. Oh, absolutely. But... Oh, go ahead. What? Well, I just want to tell you something that Steve said that was really hilarious. Is he sassing me again? No, he said that detective doesn't know Jack Schmidt. Oh, my God. Steve... You need to be getting with Kelly in the Facebook group on some of these. That That's a good one. He's um, killing it. Oh, gosh, no, not Buffalo Bill. Exactly, though. Yeah. So, I mean, but still, investigate it. Like, do something. I mean, she was, yeah, anyway, I don't know. So, but well, and, or, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just to say, Jen believed that the whole rehab thing, like, they were like, well, they just dismissed it because, you know, they totally believed the letter, obviously. Yeah. Even after she pops back up and has the story. Yeah, she was like, hey, this is happening. Yeah, because, like, she can tell them, like, I wasn't at a rehab center. Like, you can check the records. Nobody would have a record. I mean, I guess they could just be like, okay, well, then you lied. Like, whatever. I don't care. I don't care. But, yeah. 
So she tells them that she's very adamant that she knew like what kind of car he drove and they looked into that and they couldn't find anything on it. So it's just kind of disappointing. Um, so the case goes cold for more than a year. Um, hence cold case files. But then Syracuse, New York, October, 2002, a woman named Angela Wilson is getting worried about her sister who we're going to call Jane. Her name has been, changed for privacy purposes but we will call her jane jane is 16 years old at the time and she seems to have run away six months later though angela gets a call on her cell phone and it was her sister and jane whispers into the phone and she's like hey the guy i'm with is a rapist and she's like what so she uh ends the call abruptly just hangs up really quick so Angela is like, fuck that. I'm calling this number back because she has caller ID. It's 2002, y'all. She has caller mm-hmm. ID. And she calls this number back. And it it goes to FM Returnables, which is a bottle return business, which is about 15 miles away. So she called from a business, thank God. And when the woman answered, uh, this lady named Terry, Angela's like, hey, can I talk to the girl who just got off the phone there? And she's like, oh, yeah, Mika. Yeah, she she just left. And she's like, who, who the hell, hell is Mika? It's Mika. And she was like, oh, Mika, um, she was with the, a local guy named John. They came in here together, but they're going down to the pet store. You can catch them there or something like that. And she's like, listen to me now, bitch. My sister is with a guy who is a rapist. This John guy is a rapist. He's been holding my sister against her will. She's been missing for six months, and we've not been able to locate her. And Terry was like, holy shit. Oh, my God. So she calls the pet store, and she's like, look out for this guy. He's coming in and all this stuff. So John comes in with Jane slash Mika, and he sees them together, and he's like, she's super withdrawn. This does not seem right. So, like, John is parading her around to all of these places that he just frequents, I guess. He just wanted to show them his new friend. Yes, and she is exhibiting the behavior that a sex-trafficked victim yes. would be would be doing. Like, she's looking down, she's very withdrawn, she's quiet. Yeah. 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 And... Keith is like, she's also super, super, Keith is the guy at the pet store, is super, super young. Like, this doesn't seem right. I mean, this guy is in his 60s. He's 67. Yeah. And she's 16. Mm -hmm. And he's referring to her as his friend. You know, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. So Keith calls the police. Thank God. So Angela, in the meantime, races to the bottle exchange company because she knows which company it is. And the police are already there. And, you know, they tell her like, hey... We got him. We found her. um, And she's reunited with her sister, which is absolutely incredible. And they arrest a man named John Jamelski. Gross. Yeah. So police are like, okay, well, we have to execute a search warrant on his house. And the narrator is like, you know, cars drive by a house and have no idea what's happening, just steps away. And I was like, how many houses do we pass every day? Oh, my gosh, I know, right? Because it's like his house is like kind of on a highway and like cars pass by really close. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just it puts into perspective, like how close they could have been to rescue, but how far they still work. They're in this bunker. They're chained. You know, it's just, oh, it's so heartbreaking. Um, 
But Jack Schmidt, who doesn't know Jack Schmidt, um, gets to the house and they go inside. There's nobody there. They go inside and there is literally the most junk in the whole entire world. This man, he said, kept receipts from restaurants that had been closed for over 20 years at that point. Yeah, he kept old beer bottles, old beer cans. Yes. He just kept, it was like the worst episode of Hoarders just kept garbage. Yeah, it was really bad. And they finally get down into the bunker, and there's, like, a bathtub on a table. There's this, like, you know, one of those, like, um, it's not it's not a walker. It's like a walker but a toilet, kind of. And then he has it over a five-gallon bucket. Um, it's just really, really bad conditions down there. And there's stuff painted all over the walls and, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. Um, but one of the things that's painted on the walls is it says, a, it says wall of thugs. Yeah. So they end up using an alternate light source to check the walls for evidence, too. And he says, like, you know, for semen, basically. But what one thing that they find is names painted on the wall that had been painted over. And it was names of women who'd been held captive. So it was kind of like a like a yearbook signing, but not. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know if I'm just stupid. Were they signing this in semen? What, what, why no, why I- did it fluoresce? I don't think it was in semen. I don't know. Like, I just don't get how it, why it fluoresced. And I'm sure that there's a, a, a an answer to it. But, um... Yes, it was 100% Stephanie a trophy wall. Yeah. So, they find also calendars that he kept. So, like, he kept everything, right? He kept meticulous records. He kept diaries. He kept calendars, journals. He notated every single day, like, what sex act he forced on somebody it was it's just disgusting what he did um so the district attorney bill fitzpatrick um is the one who's going to prosecute the case so he says that the dungeon had been used by jamelski for 15 years over the course of 15 years Mm -hmm. and he had at least five different victims held for months and in one case three years that is insane Somebody lost three years of their life to this man. Yes. Um, So they start, his victims start coming forward after he's been arrested. And it turns out that they are all different races. And the thing is, they call him a collector because, like, he has all these old beer, beer bottles and just all these things that he's, like, collected. And the district attorney is, like, in his sick mind, this was another way to collect people essentially because he Mm -hmm. set it up in such a way that he had like jen was a white woman he had a native american woman he had a black woman he had like he he literally was like just a disgusting person the way that he didn't view people as people like it's just horrific Mm -hmm. um and you know he he picked women that he felt were going to be you know not missed and things like that He was charged and he pled guilty to five counts of kidnapping in the first degree. He was sentenced in July of 2003. And he acts like he's upset and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to even whatever. The crocodile tears. The thing that pissed me off the most about what what he says here, he's like, I'm very sorry for what I did and how it's affected everyone. And he's like, God bless all of them. And like, you don't get to say these these things. You need to hush. You don't get to say that. Um, and Jen is like, well, he's a scumbag and God's going to get him for what he did. So there. Um, but the judge is like, look, your reign of terror is over. You forever changed the lives of so many people with the brutal and permanent way, you know, that you've treated people. You're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. 
He was sentenced to 18 years to life. And the detective in the case was like, you know, he'll get out in a pine box. And um, he was actually up for parole this year, mm-hmm. which was denied. Thank goodness. Thank God. Yes. So he is 85 now. Yeah, he's 85 now. And the parole board said he didn't fully grasp the extent of the trauma he caused these women. But Tori, you found some outside info because like, obviously this aired in like 2004. So, you know, parole happened this year, but he stopped taking part in the like sexual predator counseling there because he knew he found out it wasn't going to get him a shorter sentence. And now he maintains that he was good friends with all these women and he still hung out with them. After they, quote, stayed in his bunker, it was just like when they were in between places to live, they would just stay there and they would just have sex with him as payment instead of rent. And it was like a totally consensual situation for everybody. Well, I mean, if you watch the episode, you saw the conditions. It's pretty, it seems like somewhere that someone would want to stay, right? Yeah. Living on the street would be much more preferable. Like, yeah. And he was like, I didn't even lock the door most of the time. Like, they could have gotten out. I mean, tops, 12 hours a day I would lock it. But that's it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's 12 other hours they could have gotten out if they wanted to. Obviously, they didn't want to. Exactly. And yeah, Yeah. he said that he hung out with his victims, except for the last one, because he didn't get a chance to. Yeah, well, he didn't get a chance to. He got arrested, didn't he? Yeah, he sure did. But they would have been good friends. Right, exactly. And he said that if, if it... If that was, if they weren't okay with what was happening when they, since they hung out after, why didn't they call the police on him then? You know, like, why didn't anybody report him then? Because obviously they enjoyed it. The nerve. He had a wife who was living in the house until she passed away in 99. She had no idea that any of this was going on. He says that she doesn't. I believe that. But what a sick person to have done this. I mean, all of the above. Right. Okay, guys, drop in the comments via your GIF if you're in Australia or us or GIF if you're a cool kid um, how big of a piece of shit this guy is. Like, just just GIF him up. Um, I don't know if they're actual turd GIFs, but... Oh, surely. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like it's one of those Triceratops uh, poops from Jurassic Park. Oh my gosh, you guys. These do look like this is he's a diarrhea piece of shit. Blue whale yes. size. I like I like that going. It's it, oh just yeah, those are good. ice cream over here. They're good. Stinky. Stinky. <laughs> he is stinky. Jen, who is that? That is that guy from Angry Birds or I don't know. Oh, yeah. There's he no Casey Anthony gift. <laughs> Oh, my God. Caitlin, that might be the winner for sure right now. Um, Yeah. So and it kind of felt like, you know, again, like we said, it felt like like if you actually physically. Oh, then you did it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And Madison. Yeah, that guy. That's exactly. You guys are just nailing it. Um, But it did like if you watch the full episode, it's like 42 minutes long and like 30 35 minutes of it or something or like at least 30 minutes of it is the first case so i it's just like he he kept women held hostage for 15 years and you know it's just hard to do that in like 15 minutes but they did yeah they sure did they they did us dirty with that one because out of the not 
not that I wanted less from a man scorned, but I wanted as much from a dungeon. I think they could have each been their own episode. I agree, but yeah. I understand that's not the way Cold Case Files works, so. Mm-mm, it sure isn't. Um, yeah, so, all right, and of course, Steve, yep, I'm the shit. Um, You're a shit, that's for sure. <laughs> he is, yeah, the, the guy, the guy. <laughs> um, all right, so a couple things. Don't forget to come back next week. We will be covering an episode of See No Evil. So follow us on, like, Instagram. Um, that's usually where we post our cases. So check us out there, Killer Queens, to see our next case. And I know I, See No Evil is such a, like, a really well-made show. Um, yes. And but- then... Yeah, don't don't leave just yet. You got to stick around because Prime Movie Club is on next, and that's with Desi and Rachel, and you won't want to miss it. Yeah, and next week, before you come to our room, definitely uh, get here a little early. So the hour before us is True Crime Convos with Elaney, who you guys are all BFF with by now. BFF yes. with by now. Yes, we love it. It's um, I just I don't know. I'm so excited to be a part of this because it's literally like crime night on Tuesdays you know it's so so exciting to be able to talk crime with people who enjoy it as well so I know green room is quote killing it oh mm-hmm. I see what you did there with true crime Tuesdays oh my yes God. and guys again I know we talked about it last week but don't be afraid to ask to speak we want to talk to you guys so feel free to request to speak and we will get you up here and we can Jen, come on, speak. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how can you apply to help write episodes? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I love this idea. Yeah. Shoot us an email. um, Killerqueenspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love doing this and we will catch you well, we'll see you next Tuesday. Oh, yeah. I did it. <laughs> I know. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> Bye. Bye.